0: Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with another Hot Commodities episode. Today we're looking at ADP values by round. We're looking at when you're on the clock in rounds one through six, who should you draft is basically what we're doing. Instead of doing a mock draft where we show you who we would draft and whatnot, we're going to give you basically, I don't know, top three, four guys in each round of of best ball ADP uh, per Fantasy Pros right now. Uh, Who do we like? Who's undervalued uh, in those regions? It could be as simple as Christian McCaffrey's undervalued at the 101, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, Danny, how are you doing today before we hit this intro?
1: Doing well, doing well. Again, you just mentioned McCaffrey. As soon as we were about to start like, making our notes for this video, I asked this. So I'm like, can I do McCaffrey? Like, it's just When I look at it, obviously, for me, he's the biggest value of the entire first round just because I believe he's just such a tier above everyone so yep. uh but the thing is, is like it's not like we can get any more value than the 101 it's no
0: really- no of course not oh, if you okay. get him anywhere other than the 101 like whoever just picked saquon or zeke at the 101 is is like actually stupid as shit like they shouldn't even be playing fantasy football so let's uh let's hit the intro and then we'll see you guys on the other side are you ready jim i'm ready wow. just want to make sure you're ready brother
1: show me the money
0: All right. So as I said, we're going over ADP values by round. We're going over who's bet, who should you draft rounds one through six. So we're going to start off with round one. Uh, we'll put the uh, ADP on the screen right now. So this is currently how the first round is shaking out. And to be honest, this was hard to pick from because the guys at the bottom, uh, devonte Adams, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, and Nick Chubb. I don't think any of them should go in the first round personally. So, um, I, I chose Alvin Kamara and, uh, as one of the guys that I think is undervalued because at the 106, to me, over Mike I have Alvin Kamara currently ranked as my number four overall player and my number four running back, and I would pick him over Dalvin Cook, and I would pick him over Michael Thomas. Obviously, um, there's positive touchdown regression coming for Alvin Kamara. Last year at this time, everyone was like, he's not going to score 18 touchdowns again. Well, he literally scored a third of that. He scored six touchdowns last year. He he averages 15 and a half for the previous two years of his career. So you'll probably see him this year get back up into that like 13 to 15 range in terms of uh, rushing plus receiving touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, the the touchdowns were the biggest concern of Kamara last year. That was simply due to, again, like he was hobbled by the injuries. He faced bad luck when it came to the goal line being able to punch it in. And in general, I mean, if people are worried about the opportunity, oh, Latavius is a big back. That's the reason he didn't have it. But you you look at it, I mean, Kamara's red zone usage basically stayed the status quo when they had Latavius Maria in the lineup. It was just a matter of Kamar's health mostly last year. And he said, uh, said it recently in tweets that he was only basically playing at about 75% anyways, and, like, he wouldn't have a reason to lie about that. He wouldn't just say it to say it. Like, why would a player want to disclose an injury if there wasn't actually one? So, uh, I mean, what you're getting with Kamar, you're getting a guy who's going to have a high touchdown ceiling and floor. And in general, I mean, 81 receptions over his last three seasons – uh, he's just shown uh, that he's very versatile and very uh, capable of having a huge receiving load as well. So, getting Kamara where you're currently getting him in the middle of the first round, I mean, he just shouldn't be dropping past the top four. Agree. Uh, again, as you mentioned, I agree with that. He should be going ahead of Dalvin Cook. Again, contractual issues, uh, injury issues. And uh, Michael Thomas, again, nothing against Michael Thomas. It's just the scarcity of the running backs at the top, especially guys like Kamara. I'd much prefer locking down a Kamara and then take my chances at like round two or three with a top receiver rather than just getting empty and see who falls in the running back position
0: yeah for sure Kamara's special he's a special player like I think he just had a lot of bad luck as you mentioned the injury to himself also the injury to Breeze too because I don't remember how like I'm pretty sure they were both injured around the same time him and Breeze but just the offense in general like it didn't struggle like it was still top like six offense in the league but I think if everyone's healthy and that's obviously a big if it's football people get injured all the time but if Breeze and Thomas and Kamara, the main three guys in that offense and their um, their offensive line's able to stay healthy this year, I think th- they're in for a bounce back year. And I think this is going to be one of the best offenses in the league again. Uh, yeah. Derek Henry is also who I had listed as another value of this, uh, of this round. And he's going to pick seven. So, I mean, some people might be surprised by that, but I, that I think he's a value. But again, I would pick him over Dalvin Cook and Michael Thomas. I think Derek Henry right now is currently my 105. If I have the 105 and the top four guys McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, and Kamara off the board. I'm picking Derrick Henry over Dalvin Cook and over Michael Thomas. Over Dalvin Cook because, I mean, Derrick Henry's a lock for 300 carries. He's going to have 10-plus touchdowns. He might even have, like, 18 touchdowns at his most. Uh, he's never had a problem holding up to that kind of workload, too. Dalvin Cook has, and Michael Thomas is just a position scarcity thing. Plus, I, like, I mean, weekly upside, Michael Thomas is, like, good, but he doesn't give you 40-point weeks like Derrick Henry does.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Again, it's a little closer if you're talking like a full power format. But, again, uh, one, one, the thing I subscribe to is if you have a workhorse running back like a Derrick Henry on the board here, uh, who you know uh, comparatively to Dalvin Cook who presents the kind of injury concerns, I would just prefer locking down Derrick Henry. Uh, you know the baseline you're going to get. He's going to get 300 to, uh, carries. He's going to get probably around 14, 1,500 rushing yards. And, Matt, you said 10 touchdowns, and that might even be underselling it. i I wouldn't be surprised i I think that's
0: i think he's a lock for 10 like i think 10 is like his floor
1: i I think i think he might even like get again to around the 15 range uh just the way tennessee uses him uh and again he's never gonna be a guy where like oh you expect him to be able to produce uh with a huge receiving role if he gets out of receiving work which i mean like that's hard to project you can't really project that Mm -hmm. that's good but like ultimately he's a guy that he doesn't need to have a huge receiving core to be able to give you that upside simply because what he does on the ground
0: yeah unless unless tennessee is getting blown out like from the from the jump of the game like uh like they get they're they're getting hung like 21 points on them they're going to use derrick henry whether they're winning or losing in my opinion unless they're getting absolutely killed which i don't think is going to happen very often because they have a good defense and they're a good team in general so um, maybe there's one outlier game this year where he like he gets phased out because the game script is just terrible. But I like that there might not even be one game because Tennessee's a good team. So um, i let. Do you have another guy or? Do,
1: uh, well, I just yeah. wanted to quickly touch upon it. I was going to mention that uh, these were the two guys me and Corey kind of collectively agreed to in this first round. We're going to as we go through rounds two to six, uh, we'll have different uh, different guys that we'll both bring up. Ultimately, again, Corey wrote down these two names. I tried to look up for the rest of the round. I like Miles Sanders, but I probably wouldn't pick him higher than he's already listed right now. So uh, ultimately here, we're talking about values. I would take Derrick Henry above the Michael Thomas and the Dalvin Cook. And I would take Alvin Kamara above those two as well. So ultimately here, if they're going lower than where we would personally take them, that that presents value. Whereas like Sanders, I'd feel comfortable probably taking him no higher than 10. Just simply because like the receivers on the board, as Corey's going to mention in the second round, Uh, some of these receivers that should be going in the first are getting pushed down because of the scarcity of the position. So there's going to be, as we'll see in like the third and the fourth, there's going to be average running backs going against top-end receivers. So uh, stay tuned because that'll be fun to break down.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we'll uh, get into round two right now. This will be on the screen right now. This is the ADP currently from uh, picks 13 to 24. And to me, the obvious, the obvious, obvious one to me is Julio Jones. The fact that Julio Jones is not a first-round pick is a complete joke to me. I don't even understand why. Uh, like, like you said, Miles Sanders, I like Miles Sanders. There's no fucking way I would pick him over Julio Jones because like the offense is going to throw 600 plus times. Uh, they throw at one of the highest clips in the red zone. I know Julio can't score touchdowns, but he has the opportunity to score touchdowns. So that's an irrelevant thing. They have a bad defense. They have an ineffective. They're going to have an ineffective run game. He has an elite connection with his quarterback going like eight plus years. Uh, he's a lock for 160 plus targets. He's a lock for 1400 yards. He's a lock for five plus touchdowns. If he plays 15, uh, 16 games, which honestly hasn't even been an issue for him in the past couple of years, Danny forgot his mic again, which usually oh,
1: happens. I, I had it. It was just pushed over. So how did I sound for the, yeah, first you sounded of... fine. You sounded okay, fine. But right.
0: okay. Julio Jones to me going behind guys like, uh, like friggin' Aaron Jones. <sighs> I love Austin Eckler. I can't pick him over Julio Jones actually, no, I do have him. I would pick him actually over Julio Jones. But DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill, um, Josh Jacobs, like he's going like Julio Jones needs to be like the 110 to 112. Like he is the safe, he's probably the safest pick in the entire first round.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I love Julio Jones getting him uh, again, we got him in a best ball draft at like the two oh six or two oh seven yesterday. Yeah, so, no, that, that would have been the two oh eight. That's insane. That's insane. Uh getting getting him where he's currently going is insane. Uh, another guy that we'll segue into that we've hyped up on this channel repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. We will keep pounding the table until this guy gets his respect as a first-round running back, and that will be Austin Eckler of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I almost fucked up there. Uh, I was called in San Diego. But uh, it's just baffling to me that the fantasy community is allowing him to fall to the mid-second round or the RB12 off the board. But, again, give me that value all day like because it's just insane. You're getting a guy who uh, typically in fantasy football – you want guys with opportunity that have talent that ultimately get receiving work. That's what you look for in your running backs. Austin Eckler provides all three of those. So uh, again, people are saying, uh, Oh, he doesn't have Melvin Gordon. We'll see how he holds up. Well, how he held up last year was without Melvin Gordon. He was the RB two and with Melvin Gordon, he was the RB 10. So how is he going off as a 12th running back? So you, you just I add mean, them together, right? That, like it play it's just,
0: yeah, no, anyone who says that, like, it's, oh, well, he did most of his damage with Mel- without Melvin Gordon. It's like, Melvin Gordon isn't there now, guys. Like, I, I don't understand why people use that as, a, as a, a valid reason not to like Austin Eckler because Melvin Gordon isn't there. If you like Josh Kelly, that's fine, but he's a fourth-round pick for a reason. They hmm. traded their second- and third-round pick to go up and get an inside linebacker for a reason. If they thought running back was some huge need, they wouldn't have traded up for Kenneth Murray. They would have Stan Pat... And drafted Jonathan Taylor, drafted J.K. Dobbins, drafted Cam Akers. They didn't do any of that because they know Austin Eckler is good enough to carry the load. They have Justin Jackson, they have Josh Kelly, take away some of the bullshit carries that Austin Eckler doesn't get. Austin Eckler is going to get the three most valuable things in the offense. He's going to get the receiving work, he's going to get the goal line carries, and he's going to get the bulk of the running rushing work. So I don't even understand why he's not a first round pick. I would pick him seventh overall, is where I have him ranked.
1: On my board. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I have him at nine right now, I believe. And even that, I just feel low. Like, I love Austin Eckler. And the fact is, he's currently going off as the RB12. I mean, we'll touch up upon him a little bit more uh, in this Saturday's ADP battles. So stay tuned. Have a special guest on there. Uh, you guys will definitely enjoy that. But we'll have Austin Eckler in that discussion. And we'll come at you with the big facts there. So stay tuned. But Austin Eckler going mid-second round, typical value. So snag that up right now if you guys are doing any best balls. For sure. And this is a
0: guy I've tooted the horn for as well. Um, as you see where he's going in the draft is also pretty criminal to me. Josh Jacobs going at 17 is ridiculous because I think, I mean, I said Austin Eckler's at seven. Uh, like I have Jacobs like right there too. Like he's in that same range for me. He also should be a first rounder. I think he should be a top 10 pick. He's basically Derek Henry light. In my opinion, I think he's going to get 300 carries. He was on pace for 300 carries last year. And I think he's also has a chance to see an uptick in receiving work. As I've mentioned in previous videos, um, dating back to John Gurdon's usage of Cadillac Williams and stuff. Now with Lynn Bowden dealing with some kind of off-the-field situation who was a concern for Jacobs uh, receiving floor based on the guys that they brought in with Richard and Booker and, and Bowden. If, if, if Bowden's not going to be there, that helps Jacobs a little bit. The offensive line's elite. Like, run-blocking run offensive line is one of the best in the league. It's as good as the Colts. It's as good as the, I don't know, the Saints. Like, it's, it's really freaking good. The offense should be improved in general, like more scoring, more spread out guys with, with Rugs and Waller and even Renfro's a solid piece. Like uh, he owns the goal line. Like he owns you – know, they're not giving the ball to Jalen Richard on the goal line. Like Josh Jacobs is getting all the goal line carries. So, I mean, he's also the – like he's also one of the best running backs in the league just from a pure talent perspective. He was the most – he last year, his rookie season, he, from coming from a school where he was not the workhorse running back, he had the most elusive running back season in PFF history.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's insanity too. Uh, I've me- I've mentioned it previously. Again, uh, I I really like Josh Jacobs. I mean, the thing that people are going to be concerned with would be the receiving work. But again, as we mentioned with Henry, when you're a guy that's a shoe in for uh, top five uh, in the league in rushing, like I mean, it doesn't matter nearly as much as to say a guy like uh, I don't know, uh, fucking. Just, Name it, like Clyde to Lair. If he didn't have receiving work, for example, like he he take mm. a hit. But with the Josh Jacobs again, he's going to get that workload. He's going to get uh, a huge amount of carries on this team. So uh, again, you're getting him at the mid-second round, considering how scarce the position is. I'm surprised he's not the one, uh, one of the guys being pushed up. So I definitely uh, like yeah, him.
0: I'm really shocked by that because like he was super good too. I think it's just because he got injured at the end of the year. Like has had he not gotten injured in that? Like why is Miles Sanders going ahead of him? I like is my Sanders. question because Miles Sanders was like like everyone loves Miles Sanders and I understand why it's because he gets receiving work and that's why people would favor him over, uh, over Jacobs. But Jacobs would have won rookie of the year last year. Had he stayed healthy the whole year? Like I don't, to me, I, I just don't understand why he's going so late. Uh, I would pick him ahead of a lot of these guys, ahead of Chubb, ahead of Mixon, ahead of Drake, ahead of Sanders. Like give me the,
1: all the Josh Jacobs next year. I mean, they're, they're close to me. I mean, they're both in the same tier. I think I have Sanders at uh seven and Jacobs at like, 10 I believe but ultimately with Sanders what, what, what gives me a little more hope is I do think that the offense in general is going to be better uh and in general I do believe that Sanders is going to take that next step in ultimately getting uh, a larger volume uh what's called baseline and if he's able to do that I do think the receiving work's going to be in line uh he's going to have similar touchdown upside and ultimately I just I believe in Sanders to be able to carry that uh a little bit more than Jacobs but again same tier Receiver work's the uh, ultimate decider for me, but you pick and choose here. Both are stud second-year backs that can ultimately present great value for you. So uh, I like both. All
0: right, let's dig into round three here. We got um, – I'll have that up on the screen as well. And to me, I mean, this, you can call me a homer all you want, but Mike Evans is undervalued. Uh, the narrative uh, that has always followed Mike Evans throughout his career is that he's so good even though he has Jameis Winston as his quarterback or, like, he's so good despite being on a bad team. Like, the team is not bad anymore. They're not going to be a bad team next year, as much as many people think they're going to be the 2019 Browns or not. Um, <laughs> he has Tom Brady, and his ADP went down. Like, that to me doesn't make any sense. This is still Arian's system. They're not bringing in New England's system. I don't know where people are getting this idea. You think it's easier to teach? Cody Miller, bro. Yeah, you think it's easier to teach 20 guys on offense one system or to teach this one of the smartest quarterbacks of all time one system? Like, it's way easier to teach Tom Brady... Bro- Bruce Arians system than to teach Tom Brady system to the whole team. So Mike Evans is going to have the same role. He's going to be with Tom Brady. Who's a much better deep passer than Jameis Winston. I know his arm strength isn't as good. Jameis Winston's not a good deep passer. He is not accurate. Um, He had uh, 81 of his 118 targets last year in 12.25 games that Mike Evans played were deemed catchable, which ranked 95th in the NFL. So Uh, Mike Evans also was fourth in the league in deep targets. So most of those targets were probably deep balls that Jameis missed. I'm a Bucs fan. I saw him miss a lot of deep balls on Evans. Evans dropped a couple, but some of them were just flat out missed. So uh, the red zone opportunities is another big thing for Mike Evans because early in Mike Evans' career, he was a big-time touchdown guy, and I expect that to go back up this year. And the reason is is because I think his – in the past like year or two, he's been the primary focus of defenses in the red zone because, one, we couldn't run the ball in the red zone, which I think we're going to be better at this year. And two, uh, there was no Rob Gronkowski in the red zone, which there is now, and Chris Godwin hadn't established himself. So I think with, between those three receiving options and Joneser and, and, and uh, Vaughn in the backfield uh, running the ball, I think the red zone offense is going to open up enough to the point that Evans is not going to see double coverage on every red zone snap that he gets. And I think it's very easily, uh, easy to project that Mike Evans has double-digit touchdowns in 2020. He ranked 17th last year in red zone targets, like I said, in just 12 and a bit games, because he went down like early in the Colts game in week 13. And he had 17 red zone, he ranked 17th in red zone targets despite only playing like 12 games.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're talking about Evans, again, when it comes to talent, uh, I know you have him in the top five. He's probably in around the, the six or seven range for me personally as well. Uh, he's just a guy that always gets swept under the rug for God knows why. Because when he's on his game, man, like he, he presents legitimate top 40-point, uh, 40 45-point type upside. And ultimately here, he was playing banged up, and he was still fantastic in the games he did play. I mean, one goose egg is going to really uh, get on people's minds for some reason. I think Brady helps with that too because he is an inconsistent player. I understand that. He's a
0: deep threat like, on the team. That's his role. But a lot, like some of those goose egg games, he'd have like six or seven targets. It's just Jameis is like not accurate. And I've, like, I, I support Jameis Winston, but he's not an accurate quarterback. Brady's much more accurate than he is, even if you think Brady's declining or whatever. So some of those goose egg games that, that Mike Evans might have put up, he might put up 40 yards instead of putting up a goose egg with Tom Brady instead of Jameis.
1: For sure. I mean, I, I was a big fan of Evans last year as well. I still am this year. I picked uh, Evans in 301 in one of my drafts and felt that was a steal. So the fact that you're getting him even later now. I, yeah, like, I, that doesn't make sense. Uh, what would you say, the 306, 307 or so? I yeah, think. 307 is where he's going. That, that that's insane. He's literally only gotten an upgrade at quarterback, yet yeah, people want to buy into this narrative like, oh, Brady targets a small, small white slot receiver. Scotty. Yeah, in the
0: Patriots system, like- he does. He doesn't he's not running New England system. I don't know why people keep thinking
1: this. Yeah, I mean, uh, the last time we saw him with a with a a talent like Mike Evans, that guy was able to put up what, 23 touchdowns? Yeah. So. Yeah. Literally. I think Mike Evans, Mike
0: Evans could have like a 15 touchdown season. Like his ceiling is like to have like, I don't know, like 70 catches for like, like 13, 1400 yards and like 15 touchdowns. He could just have like some monster plays that win you like crazy weeks, like where he's throwing up 40 points a game.
1: For sure. Uh, oddly enough, don't you notice uh, the three best values of these first three rounds? We actually got in our, mock dra- or our best ball draft yesterday. So, yeah. uh, so go, go link down that uh, it would be two days ago, like when this video goes up. So make sure you watch that video. We did a uh, draft on uh, Drafters, new affiliate. But aside from that, we'll get into all that another time. Uh, my biggest value of this round is DJ Moore, wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers. I mean, to me, this is a no brainer. I'm all aboard the DJ, DJ Moore hype train. I've been hyping up him up basically since the season ended last year. Uh, the fact that people still aren't able to recognize his value is insane to me. Uh, recently talked about him again in an ADP Battles video with uh, Ryan McGinley of Bootleg Fantasy. He climbed the pocket, so make sure you check that out on the channel. But going back into DJ Moore, his current ADP of 31 is just downright ridiculous. I mean, he's going after Odell Beckham. Patrick Mahomes, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. And, uh, just in general, you're getting a locked and loaded PPR monster in the middle of the third round. So, uh, to me with DJ Moore, what is there not to like? He's a young, talented receiver coming off a second year breakout with improvements on the coaching staff and at the quarterback position. He had 87 catches in basically 14 games, his 15th game. Again, he basically played in the first quarter, caught one pass and left with an injury. So, uh, he was able to produce again, 87 catches, 1,175 yards, and four touchdowns, and what was basically 14 games in his second year in the league. So again, you're projecting forward. He has legitimate top five receiver upside. If he's able to gain that rapport with Teddy Bridgewater, we saw what Michael Thomas was able to do. I brought the stats on the screen in that video on Saturday. Uh, it's just insane. Uh, Michael Thomas produced with both Drew Brees, and it didn't really fall off with Teddy Bridgewater. Again, I'm not calling DJ Moore Michael Thomas, but he's going to play the Michael Thomas role in a Joe Brady-Saint system with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. So to me, you're getting him mid-third round. Typical uh, safe wide receiver, one that you can get after getting two running backs in the first two rounds. I mean, it's a no-brainer. So go scoop up DJ Moore
0: yeah and and dj Moore, unlike michael thomas i think he's better than michael thomas in this area is great after the catch too so if they're gonna get dj Moore the ball in short areas like with like a low average depth to target guy like teddy bridgewater who's a good quarterback in that kind of system which he's still in that he came from the saints it's the same system he ran in new orleans so if you think i know i know uh, myself uh personally i was like oh teddy bridgewater going anywhere other than the saints it's like the perfect system for a quarterback but I mean, it's basically the same system. Yep. The only difference is his offensive line isn't quite as good. So um, I definitely love t- uh, DJ Moore. It's like my wide receiver eight. I'm all aboard this yep. take. If you didn't pick him, I was going to. So,
1: um, I have him at seven too, so I'm all aboard as well. Yeah, like
0: <laughs> DJ Moore to me, like this team's going to throw the ball a lot too. They have the worst secondary in the NFL. So it's all aboard the Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore trains because they're going to get 150 targets each.
1: Uh yeah, i uh, love DJ Moore, but uh segue into round four. Uh you want to mention your two guys you got first, and I'll mention my two after you. Yeah, we'll try and run through these a little bit quicker. So on the screen right now, you'll see the round four ADP.
0: Um uh my first guy to me that jumps off the screen right right away, and this is why I take running backs early, is because I can get DJ Moore Mike Evans in the third round, and I can get Adam Thielen in the fourth round. Adam Thielen's my wide receiver nine right now, and yeah. seeing as much as uh volume as, as Adam Thielen is going to see this year. Is, is, is just, he's way too low for the amount of volume that is so easily projected to him. He has 110 vacated targets in the offense with Stephon Diggs gone. And when Diggs was out of the lineup, he nearly averaged 11 targets per game. Uh, for a guy in the mid-fourth round, if you, go wide, or if you go three running backs to start your draft, if he's your wide receiver one or your wide receiver two, you're just laughing. Like, it's, yes, please, all day. He might have the highest team target share in the NFL next year. Like, I know his offense is run heavy, but I honestly don't give a shit because he's going to have like a 30% target share. Justin Jefferson's a good prospect, but I expect him to struggle his rookie year because he's not a natural um, – he's not natural at getting off the line of scrimmage and beating press coverage, and he needs to play in the slot. Well, the, the Vikings are going to run a lot of 12 next year, and they're not going to have a lot of slot, slot opportunities for Jefferson. So if he's on the field in uh, two wide sets, he's going to be on the outside, and I don't
1: expect him to perform well his rookie year. Yeah, I mean, that's also coupling with the fact that uh, while Adam Thielen was hurt last year, I mean, we saw what he was able to do with Stephon Diggs. I mean, I try anybody trying to expect Justin Jefferson to step in immediately and take what Stephon Diggs was able to vacate, uh, it's just a fool's errand. I mean, Stefan mm-hmm. Diggs is easily one of the top 10, maybe 12 if you want to go that deep, talented at the position in the NFL. So losing him is a big loss for the overall offense, but it's a big gain for Adam Thielen in terms of uh, he's going to be relied on. Plenty by Kirk Cousins without that type of uh, Tarka monster in the lineup uh, beside him. So uh, smash that Adam Thielen ADP again. He's my wide sure. receiver eleven. They're all kind of in the same range, but getting a guy like that in the fourth round when some of some of the guys at uh, the running back position going in the late second, early third, mid third, like get, that's why you take your running backs early and then get your guys like DJ Moore, Mike Evans, Adam Thielen later on. So, yeah, third, uh, fourth, fifth round is just prime wide receiver
0: territory. Like the the wide receivers you're getting there are like have got our guys that have top 5 upside at the position. Both Adam Thielen and DJ Moore have top 5 upside at the position.
1: For sure. Uh segueing to another receiver that I absolutely love. Uh I've been I've been pumping uh, pumping his uh Pumping his hype uh, on the channel as well. Uh, not sure if I mentioned him exclusively, but just kind of want to bring him through to you guys. Similar to Adam Thielen, another underappreciated receiver in the league. It's Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears. I mean, you're looking at this guy. He's easily one of the most underappreciated receivers in the entire league. And flat out as a talent, like people don't realize actually how good he is. I mean, he's going in the fourth round right now with an ADP of 38. It's just insane. So 97 catches last year. Despite playing in a dumpster fire of a system that Chicago was representing, and he was a top 10 receiver last year, and he's going as a wide receiver 13 off the board. So uh, just talk, talking about A-Rob, I mean, I love me some A-Rob. If you're in a position to get him as your wide receiver two, perhaps, in the fourth round, say you go RB first two rounds, you get a guy like Mike Evans, DJ Moore in the third, and you get a guy like uh, Alan Robinson or Adam Thielen in, in the fourth. I mean, your, your team is set up. So you're getting the guy that presents legitimate 100-catch upside with Nick Foles this year, and – Some of the mediocre running backs are going ahead of them right now, it's just insane. So, uh, yeah, get your teammate going ahead of him. Is Montgomery going ahead of him? Uh, Let me check that right now. I believe he's going. He is going.
0: Oh, he's going a couple picks after him, but still, like yeah, they like, shouldn't even be going in the same range. What they the should... fuck has David Montgomery ever done?
1: How was um, David Montgomery going a few picks
0: after? Allen no, I don't understand it. Like... Um, the next guy we'll get, get into here is Calvin Ridley's in the fourth round as well, and if you, I mean, if you listen to any fantasy advice, everyone loves Calvin Ridley this year, and there's a good reason why. It's because he averaged ten targets per game when Sanu and Hooper weren't in the lineup in twenty nineteen. Hurst is there, but, like, yeah, like, we all love Hayden Hurst, but he could be Trey Burton of the Chicago Bears a couple years ago. Like, he might completely flop, and if that happens, Calvin Ridley is going to be, like, a top, like, eight receiver probably this year in fantasy. Uh, he wasn't even a full-time starter when Sanu was there. He only started 10 games last year. Uh, in those games that he started, his numbers paced out to 126 targets, 1,216 yards, 11 touchdowns. He would have ranked the number three wide receiver behind Chris Godwin and Michael Thomas last year in half PPR leagues had he started all the whole season or like Sanu been traded early. Like he was incredible last year. He's, oh, he's been efficient touchdown score his whole career. Uh, his two years in the league, he scored like as many touchdowns as anyone their first two years in the league. And he plays a perfect role. He doesn't, he never gets the number one corner because they're always focused on Julio Jones. His offense is going to throw the ball like crazy. There's enough room for him and Julio to both be top 10.
1: For sure. I mean, again, this team led the NFL in uh pass split last year, 66.7%. You mentioned Dirk Cutter. Uh, there's no reason to believe that that's going to decrease. Like Dirk Cutter is a pass centric coach since he's been on the box, since he joined the Falcons. Like there's no reason why that should differ at all. So you're getting a guy with Calvin Ridley who legitimately has a Chris Godwin type ceiling this year. If he's able to hit, like I honestly truly believe that. So uh, I, I mean, yeah. I, mean getting him- I mean, the NFC South is
0: just, we just, all we do is throw the ball in the NFC South. Like, that's just how it works. So, I mean, like you figure the defense is so bad in Atlanta. It's so like, it's bad in Carolina. Like, like Tampa Bay's defense is unproven. Still like, like everyone's like NFC South matchups this year are going to be like 45, 40 every single fucking game, because that's how we, that's how we operate the South. We all have gunslinger quarterbacks and uh, elite receivers on every team. So like, Anytime that the Falcons play an NFC South team, you know that the NFC South team opposite them is going to be able to put up points and the Falcons are capable of doing it themselves.
1: For sure. So uh, the, the upside of Calvin Ridley is tremendous. Uh Kind of breaking off this wide receiver cycle we've had in these mid middle rounds. Uh, I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift as a value simply because he's going off as the RB26, I believe this is, RB27 off the board right now. Regardless, uh, you're getting him maybe Fourth round does seem fair if you're looking at it on face value. But some of the running backs he's going after is just insane to me. So uh, with Swift, you're going a guy who's basically a consensus top two running back prospect in the draft. He landed in a situation in the top 40 with a clear roar for him. Yet people want to push him down their rankings. I don't understand it. So uh, my comp for him was Alvin Kamara. I mean, obviously, like you can't comp. Uh, anybody to what Alvin Kamara was able to do their rookie season, which is the way they play. I mean, he's a smooth runner with incredible vision, good in the open field. And he, uh, in general, he's just elusive. He's a good player. He's slippery. So uh, when you're talking about uh, DeAndre Swift, Caron Johnson averaged over 16 touches per game for Detroit last year. And DeAndre Swift, in my opinion, is such a far superior prospect. Like it's not even close. So uh, when you're talking about uh, DeAndre Swift, obviously, he's not going to absorb that full 16 touch workload right off the bat. But if he's able to provide you a 12 to 15 touch per game baseline that I think he can easily get, he's going to overcome this draft spot and ultimately a bunch of the players that are currently going ahead of him. So uh, you're getting a guy like DeAndre Swift, who ultimately, in my opinion, once he cement, cements his role in the offense, legitimately has top 15 upside at the position. So, Yeah, and Patricia wants to run the football. Like he, he just hasn't had the defense that allows him to do so.
0: And his quarterback is so good that he might as well just throw it. But I mean... I know losing Darius Slade probably doesn't mean your defense is getting better, but Jeff Okuda is a super prospect at corner. They brought in a bunch of Patriots guys like Van Noy and all these guys that maybe they're able to run their system finally. So I I definitely like the rushing attack to see more of a volume increase, especially if Swift is super effective. They're going to feel the need to give him the ball. So uh, uh, segueing into round five here, uh, we'll put the ADP up as well. Um, The first guy that stood out to me is DJ Chark. I mean, like, you guys have already heard me talk about DJ Chark a lot. 600 pass attempts are a lock for the Jaguars. Like, they're going to be a, dog, like, god-awful team. Probably have a top-five pick. Uh, the state of their defense is brutal. Fournette's going to be inefficient if he even is on the team by week one. And Chark had an obvious connection with Gardner Minshew, who was an elite deep passer last year. Yes, Gardner Minshew was an elite deep passer last year. And DJ Chark owns that area of the field. He had an air and market share amongst the best in the entire NFL. So, uh, wide receiver, what is it? 16 or something? No, that's where I have him ranked. Sorry. He's going off wide receiver 24 wide receiver 16 is where I have him ranked. So I am very comfortable with him in round five as possibly my wide receiver two, three flex spot, whatever. He's a steal where he's going.
1: Yeah, I agree with Chark. Again, we mentioned him on a previous video that uh, the volume's going to be there. The clear rapport he has with Minshew is going to be there. And simply like he's a, he's a third year receiver who's stepping in with uh, who's going to be a second year quarterback by the time the season starts they're naturally going to gain a rapport as both those players mature so ultimately here you're getting Chark basically at his floor so uh take him here basically what wide receiver 24 you said it's just insane value to me i mean he's he he can pass that total in his sleep so uh similar to passing this total that total in their sleep we got to actually uh this may be a little bit of a cop-out because he's the first pick of the fifth but even if, like, first pick of the fifth for this guy, wide receiver. He should be 18-0. a third-round pick. He should. Wide receiver 18 off the board. It's Robert Woods of the Los Angeles Rams. Again, I mentioned it similar to Allen Robinson. I have these guys uh, similar ranked. With Robert Woods, you are getting a consistent top 15 wide receiver in the fifth round. Uh, who basically He averaged almost 20 PPR points per game in the final eight weeks last year once they switched to 12 personnel with uh, Tyler Higby at tight end, uh, despite only recording two touchdowns on the season. So, I mean, the regression is going to happen positively at the the touchdown department. And yet, he was still able to overcome that through consistency, through his uh, 90-catch total, through almost 1,200 receiving yards last year. Ultimately here, he's just a consistent wide receiver one candidate that you're going to be able to get at the 501. That's just a joke to me. I mean, some of the running backs going in this round, you're comparing to Robert Woods. Like, I I don't know. I can't fathom how a guy like David Montgomery is currently going ahead of Robert Woods.
0: No, absolutely not. Robert Woods missed like time with like personal issues last year too. So he his like his head wasn't even in and he still put up 1200 yards. Like that was probably his four last year. Like he's probably going to have like 1400 yards and like six touchdowns this year. And he'll probably be a top 12 receiver because he's always a top 12 receiver. So Robert Woods, I mean, like, I don't know why he's not a sexy name. He should be based on his consistency and how he performs. I like yeah obvious pick to me if you didn't pick him i was going to pick him too so yeah. Devonte parker is the next guy that i have up again you guys have heard me talk about Devonte parker he's a target of mine in these uh these rounds he was wide receiver two in fantasy last year when Fitz took over the job for good from josh rosen and because of how he performed he was rewarded by the front office he got a new contract extension uh this should be still a high a high volume passing game the running game improved a little bit but I mean, the defense is still young and the, the offensive line is still young. So the rushing game and the defense might force them to throw still at a pretty decently, a uh, decently high clip. And their offense should take a step forward in general, just because the, the coaching staff has an extra year to um, get everyone on the same page and the splits with Preston Williams. I know that's everyone's concern with him. It doesn't concern me as much. Cause if you dig deeper into the splits um, three of those eight games that were with Preston Williams were uh, Josh Rosen was the quarterback. So, Uh, Josh Rosen and Preston Williams you saw it in those games Preston Williams best three games of the year Were when Josh Rosen was in those games with him And it was probably because They were both second teamers in training camp And were able to build a rapport that way Whereas Parker was a first teamer with Ryan Fitzpatrick And that's how they were able to build a rapport So Josh Rosen isn't the quarterback next year Ryan Fitzpatrick is And when Tua plays he's going to be He's going to love Devontae Parker Because Devontae Parker makes defensive players of the year Look like a piece of shit So (laughs) smashed Devonte Parker in the fifth round and Williams might not even be ready for week one. We don't even know. He tore his ACL late in the season. So either way to me, whether you think the concerns with Parker, uh, with Williams are concerning or not, he's at enough of a discount that it doesn't even matter. Cause if that, that narrative didn't exist, that his splits with Williams were, were bad, then he
1: He'd would be, be a fourth round pick late third round pick. And I've seen him go that high. A lot of people are very high on him. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Parker as well. Again, uh, you're talking about a guy who uh, ultimately the stigma around Parker was, Oh, he didn't produce in his four, first four years in the league. I don't know if he's going to be able to come back to what he was able to do in his breakout year. Uh, I got burned about him so many times in the past. I don't want to go back to him. Listen, get that fucking shit out of your head. He broke out for a reason It's because he's a talented player. The reason why he didn't break out before that is because he had injury concerns, inconsistencies on, uh, on offense. Adam and Gase, Adam Gase was, was his fucking coach like to me here like people just play into fucking stigma so easily that ultimately they let players like fucking Devonte parker fall because of that uh take him i mean it's just a plain Obviously, he's center. an
0: outlier obviously no one breaks out in their fifth year but like there was actual reasons why he didn't break out he was a good player his whole career like he had games in like his second third year where you're like oh there's Devonte parker like yeah like this is the guy i saw at louisville like he looked good like his first couple of years. He just had Adam Gase as a coach. And I mean, you saw it with Kenyon Drake, you saw it with Ryan Tannehill, and you saw it with Devontae Parker. Adam Gase ruins everything. So, like, without Devontae or without Adam Gase, Devontae Parker broke out, Ryan Tannehill broke out, and Kenyon Drake broke out. So, uh, we'll move into Kareem Hunt, is, who, who's your next guy
1: here. I mean, uh, if you guys are fans of the channel, you know uh, this is such a fifth round of my guys, Robert Woods and Kareem Hunt. Just touching upon Kareem Hunt, I, I mean. Too. It, it really shouldn't be – it really should be a no-brainer at this point that you're getting highway robbery here. Uh, so, again, with Kareem Hunt, he's going off as the RB29 off the board. Based off last season, he was the RB21 in points per game when he played. So, he was, a, he was an RB2 when he played. So, his floor on standalone value is already higher than when he's being taken. They bring in run-dominant head coach and Kevin Stefanski, who's ultimately going to improve his usage regardless. Because, I mean, Kevin Stefanski, third yeah. in the league last year in run splits, 51.7%. That's probably going to stay the same, especially when you got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield. Who was still, Nick Chubb was still there last year, yet Kareem Hunt was still able to produce. I don't know what the stigma is. Oh, he's a handcuff. He, he doesn't present RB2. Like, bull fucking shit. He did it last year in a system that ultimately threw the ball more than they will this year. Not to mention, we're not even talking about the upside he does have as a handcuff, even reverting from the standalone value. Kareem Hunt will be a top five running back in fantasy football if anything were to happen to Nick Chubb on a weekly basis. So ultimately, you get a guy with top 24 standalone value, top five upside if anything were to happen to Chubb, as the RB20 off off the board, do the math, guys. It it makes no sense. Similar to the fucking Austin Eckler shit. Do your Mm -hmm. actual math. Don't let these fucking pundits tell you narratives that generally don't make any sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you didn't even mention the fact that they added probably the best run-blocking right tackle in the NFL in Jack Conklin. And they added Jedrick Wills, who's a great run-blocker as well. And you mentioned the scheme is going to improve from a run perspective as well. So, I mean, Nick Chubb and and I like like Nick Chubb this year. I'm not, like, totally high on him. This is wise, because I think Kareem Hunt's going to do really well in the system as well. So, uh, moving into round six, we'll put the ADP up on the board so you can see it. Uh, Our first guy I'm talking about here is Debo Samuel. Uh, he's mini Chris Godwin. He's literally mini Chris Godwin. He reminds me exactly of Chris Godwin coming out of school, uh, except he won't have to wait till year three because he doesn't have Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys in his way when he's trying to break out. Uh, he has the opportunity this year to break out and become a dominant receiver in the league. I think personally they drafted Ayuk to fill the role that they car- uh, carved out for Debo Samuel last year. I think Debo Samuel is going to move into a more traditional number one receiver type role in San Francisco's offense. I mean, like, he's a, he's a playmaker. He forced the second most missed tackles uh, after the catch last year behind his teammate George Kittle, which is just fucked because he's a tight end. But George um, Kittle's an animal. <laughs> he, also, he also ranked number 12 in the NFL in yards per target. It, like, he could take a huge step forward in this offense, especially if the defense isn't as dominant as it was last year. And Jimmy has to throw more than, like, eight times a game, which was actually the case last year sometimes.
1: For sure. I mean, not to mention, like – we, we, we all g- fell for the Marquise Goodwin hype a couple years ago. Well, Debo Samuel's actually a fucking good receiver. Yeah, and Jimmy's That's- good, too. I don't know why people – like
0: uh, Debo Samuel had one of the best catchable target rates in the league. It's because Jimmy's actually an accurate quarterback. Like, he's actually a good quarterback. It's just because he doesn't put up huge fantasy stats that no one likes him, It's like, which is true. I don't like him in fantasy either, but he's actually a good quarterback, and he can support Kittle and Debo Samuel. He's not just like a, a, a one-weapon quarterback like Marcus Mariota or something.
1: For sure. Not to mention, I mean, Debo Samuel is the wide receiver one. Obviously, uh, Kittle's the the, the weapon one. But Samuel's the wide receiver one in a Kyle Shanahan system. Like, uh, he's going to get schemes. He's going to get schemes some nice plays in general. So when you're talking about Debo Samuel, again, he proved uh, last season. I mean, wide receiver 29 and what was basically limited at the beginning of the season. He ultimately broke out at the end of the year. Uh, You're getting him basically at his floor here. So uh, take that value. I mean, I I really like Debo Samuel, especially the potential he's going to be able to have uh, growing into his role in the second year of that offense. Uh, Give me that. So another guy uh, similar to Debo entering his second year that I don't think I've stopped talking about on this channel since we actually brought it up is Terry McLaurin, wide receiver for the Washington Redskins. The fact that he is the wide receiver 20 fucking six off the board is absurd. So just talking about Terry McLaurin. Everybody knows about his rookie season in Washington. 58 catches, 919 yards, and seven touchdowns. And what was actually 14 games? People don't even like – people always fail to realize that. Because, again, you're not supposed to project uh, a 14-game sample size to a 16-game pace. But for context, let's just do it just so people can see what he was actually on pace for. 66 catches, 1,050 yards, eight touchdowns. If he were to have posted that stat line, there's no – Basically what A.J. Brown did. There's no doubt on my mind he'd be going ahead of A.J. Brown if he did, if he did have those numbers. So, I mean, arguably, he, he did that in arguably the worst situation of any alpha wide receiver last year. Uh, not to mention, people aren't even talking about this enough. And bringing in Ron Rivera, where if you actually look at the history of Ron Rivera in terms of fantasy success, he's been able to support wide receiver ones. Steve Smith throughout the end of his career. D.J. Moore in his breakout year last year. And for whatever reason, Kelvin Benjamin was fucking relevant under him. I don't know how that's a, a thing, but Kelvin Benjamin was relevant. It's, it's, if you need any other indicator, I don't know what to tell you. Because Kelvin Benjamin is a bum and was able to produce 1,000 yards under Ron Rebeer. So if that doesn't tell you anything, then you guys got to fucking do some more research because I don't know. But uh, Terry was even better than the statistics would show. I mean, he was missed multiple times down the field. He was open deep, deep on routes, probably, probably could have had another, uh, three touchdowns, a couple hundred yards. I mean, he could have had a monster season if he was hit. So ultimately here, you're getting a guy who, uh, is basically being drafted at his absolute floor at wide receiver 26. Haskins isn't going to be worse than he was last year. Like
0: Haskins was awful last year. Like he's going to get better. Like he's a second year quarterback. Apparently he's been like, as much as no one wants to believe shit like this is like, he's in the, he's in the building all the time and he's working real hard at his craft Terry McLaurin has said this himself the offense should improve because I think the weapons improved hopefully guys can stay healthy hopefully uh Stephen Sims is something that can help Antonio Gibson maybe Calvin Harmon like Gandy Golden like I think the offense should be a little bit more productive instead of like a sluggish piece of shit like it's been the last couple years so and McLaurin's the guy there I don't care about like while those guys help the offense they don't eat into Terry McLaurin
1: they eat into each other For sure. I mean, like anybody who's trying to argue that Terry McLaurin is not the alpha on the offense simply didn't watch the games last year. The way this guy was able to conduct himself as early as week one, like it's just insane. You don't see a third round rookie step onto the field and be the best player on the field. Yeah, week one too.
0: Week one. Normally we're like, you know how many times you've heard me say rookie running backs and shit? Well, rookie receivers even more rare and rookie receivers who are third round picks should not come out week one. And be like a top 10 fantasy receiver on the week. They, like it's going to happen this year with rugs, but other than that, it shouldn't, it shouldn't happen.
1: But um, yeah, anything else on McLaurin and, or I'll uh, get into my last guy. I, also a second want, receiver. I just want to touch up one last thing. Uh, again, I mentioned wide receiver 26 off the board for a guy who ultimately, in my opinion, is going to have right around top 15 value. If not higher, if Haskins is able to take that next step again, as I mentioned with DJ Moore, I wouldn't be surprised if Terry McLaurin, when it's all said and done after this year, is gonna have top 10 type value at the position because that's how that's how much i believe in the talent of this guy like he's a fucking animal yeah he's awesome
0: for sure and uh another second year receiver this is just a the theme of this round is um <laughs> is hollywood brown and hollywood brown man when he played he was incredible because he did not play like he was in a bad situation last year because his his team was like super good they ran the ball at a super high rate which they'll probably still do but Hollywood Brown wasn't healthy. He wasn't healthy during the draft process. He wasn't healthy during the season. He was not healthy. And hopefully, obviously, we don't know his health. I don't. I'm not his doctor. I don't know what his like foot's like. But if he's healthy, which shouldn't be too much of an issue, in the seven games in which he played sixty percent of the snaps or more, and he played less of those snaps because he was a rookie and because he was also banged up, um, he posted seven and a half, or like nearly eight targets a game, basically, and that's 123 target play uh, pace for a guy who's probably one of the most explosive weapons in the league. This metric also excluded his week one game where he played like 10% of the snaps but caught like three touchdowns against the Dolphins. So he was banged up as hell last year, like, and he was also a rookie. He, he has the ceiling, in my opinion, in the offense that he's in. The team's going to score a crazy amount. No one's worried about him. They run the ball so much that the play-action game's going to be working like crazy, and he's the perfect guy for the offense to stretch the field. He can be a DJAX type. Like, he can be a, like, when DJAX was in Philadelphia in his prime, wide receiver two with week winning, upside, week in and week out that you put into your flex spot or your wide receiver three if you have uh, three receivers in your, in your league. I, I love Hollywood Brown at his value. I don't think he should be going too much, too much higher than this, but where he's going right now is perfect value for if you're going to wait on receiver a bit and get him as, like, your third or fourth guy.
1: For sure. He's the classic upside pick. I mean, yep. you, you could take your safe receivers. I, I, it depends on your strategy, obviously. If you, wanna, uh, if you wait on the receiver position, you get like a, an Edelman, okay. Uh, I don't mind it. but I would take here, Edelman straight up over him. Just I to would. Because I think I, Edelman does have decent
0: upside for someone who's not perceived as having upside. I think he does have some. But, uh, yeah, Hollywood Brown, like, I mean, he's going – like, AJ Green's going one spot behind him. It shouldn't even be in the same conversation. The,
1: guys, how many times do I have to say it? T.Y. Hilton's no. going ahead of him. Stop drafting AJ Green and T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> like, uh, what upside do you guys buy into? I don't... Stop yelling at them. It's not them. It's other people. Yeah, okay. You, you, you guys are smart enough. You guys watch yeah. us. <laughs> All right. But, uh, do you have anything else on yeah. Hollywood? Or I just want to touch up on... Uh, real quickly, I don't know how many times I can say just want to touch up on, but uh, no homo. Uh, okay. Anyways. Uh, I love Hollywood Brown. I mean, he's, a, he's such an upside play again. Uh, similar to Debo, there's an alpha tight end in the offense, but ultimately here with Marquise Brown, uh, similar to Debo again, you're getting a guy who is going to step up as a wide receiver too. He's going to mature into that role as the wide receiver one on the offense. And in general, I mean, he's such a talented player. Uh, I love talent, as you guys know on the channel. Uh, with Lamar Jackson, last year's MVP, ultimately throwing him the ball. So uh, take, your, take your Hollywood Brown, massive upside. Again, uh, no-brainer here great players on great offenses. Sometimes it's not hard. If you pick, get pieces of the Ravens offense
0: and the chiefs offense and the Niners offense. And the, like, like these teams are going to be good for a reason because they're good
1: teams. So um, uh, stay make t- sure you guys uh, check out uh, what you, we got. Anything gonna say, else? I was going to say uh, you mentioned the chiefs offense. So stay tuned for uh, ne- next uh, next week's values. Cause uh, I'll bring up a little member that I've mentioned in the past on this channel uh, who I really like on that offense. So. For sure. So um, make sure you guys are checking out everything we're
0: doing. We're dropping a draft guide, July 6th. It'll be uh, um, just stocked full of value. It won't just be your typical draft guide with sleepers and busts and breakouts. It will have those things, but it also have plenty more. So make sure you guys are tuned in for that. Make sure you guys like comment and subscribe and please comment, comment as much as you guys want. It helps us more than, you know, and we love engaging with you guys. We'll answer your comments, lickety split. So, Make sure you guys are doing all that and uh, definitely enjoy your Thursday and uh, take it easy. Peace out, y'all.